Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, everybody. It's 9.21 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is March the 6th, 2019. This is episode 71 of Bitcoin and... And apparently we're going to be able to use Bitcoin to buy coffee. Finally, finally, we've all been waiting for this moment. Oh boy, being able to buy coffee with something that has a tendency to (laughs) be a little bit more important than pocket change. Uh, Okay, so Cointelegraph.com. Yeah, I'm just going to jump right into this thing. Cointelegraph.com has an article by William Suberg, uh, dated March the 5th, yesterday, 2019. Coffee for Backed. Starbucks equity deal will see crypto-based payments, source claims. New details about Starbucks' partnership with United States cryptocurrency platform Backed suggest the coffee giant will accept Bitcoin-based payments after an equity deal, cryptocurrency industry news outlet The Block reported on March the 4th. Starbucks, which became known as a founding partner in BACT upon its unveiling in August last year, will reportedly support its software to allow U.S. customers to pay for products. As the block reported, no actual cryptocurrency will end up processed by the chain as the crypto will be instantly transferred into fiat. Still, in the final pre-release stages, Bact aims to become a major on-ramp for investors looking to gain exposure to cryptocurrencies. Among its plans are the issuances or issuance of physically delivered Bitcoin futures contracts scheduled for later this year, depending on regulatory approval, which never seems to come. <laughs> Starbucks had originally denied any idea that its input would result in coffee for Bitcoin. Now it appears that the company has secured considerable equity in Bact and in return will accept crypto payment indirectly. Quote, there's a high value from having a brand at this level. End quote. The publication quoted (coughs) quoted an unnamed expert close to the deal as commenting. The block notes that only U.S. customers will have access to Bact's BTC USD services as at first. As Cointelegraph previously noted, Bact has faced ongoing delays to its initial launch as executives stressed the need for full regulatory compliance. The block, citing an unnamed source, notes that Starbucks will wait to activate the crypto fiat coffee purchase abilities until after Back's platform has launched and shown a capacity for holding and storing crypto. The block's source reportedly said, quote, in many ways, there are limits to what Starbucks can do with partnerships because there are limits to what customers can expect, end quote. Grappling with the patchwork U.S. regulatory landscape, some commenters, or sorry, commentators, 
have been buoyant about the platform's ability to increase the public profile of Bitcoin in particular, opening up cryptocurrency as a trustworthy mainstream asset. So there you go. At one point or another, we're apparently going to be able to walk into Starbucks and, and grab some coffee and pay, I'm assuming in some way or another, pay with Bitcoin and whatever flavor of other coin that, that you, I, I guess, and whatever BACT is going to offer and be able to receive coffee. What What is kind of odd, though, is that the, the instant convert, well, it's not odd, the instant conversion to fiat, yeah, I can get it. With this kind of volatility, yeah. I mean, as a business, you're going to have to do that. I mean, you can't just sit on it. However, it, I don't know, it would make some sense to like sequester a portion of that and instead of converting it all immediately to fiat, converting some high percentage like a like a Prado thing, like 80-20, like 80 goes in, 80 percent goes into fiat directly and then 20 percent to 10 percent or something like that is held back in the actual native currency because as we've seen before, you never know. But again, that goes back to how in the hell would, you know, would they be able to actually project what the revenues are going to be with uh, the volatility that's in the market, even though volatility has actually been on the decline when you think about it. You know, we keep looking at the price of Bitcoin with, uh, as people say, 2017 eyes, and all you can see is, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's, it's fallen so much. But that volatility was on the other side of 2017. And the only time people were, nobody was bitching about the volatility because the volatility just kept going, or the, the volatility was representative of a price that just kept increasing. It just kept going up. You know, all of us that, that you know, were looking at it, we all knew there was going to be a blow off top. And all the people that are going, well, then why didn't you sell? Well, because I got a ticket to the game, man. It's like, and, and selling your ticket to the game means that you got to leave the park. I don't really want to leave this park. Um, there's something about holding that, uh, that I don't know. There's something about holding that makes sense when you're part of something. Um, if, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's sort of like, I don't know. It's like, I guess it's like having swag from your favorite you know, football club or whatever. Anyway, that's going to do it for that. <clears throat> Look for coffee sales uh, for Bitcoin and Starbucks soon, I guess. Uh, let's get into the next one. Um, this is from uh, at buy cool price. Venezuelan government supports Bitcoin and Litecoin payments, launches new crypto remittance platform amidst crisis. And he sends a link to the daily hodl, you can find them at dailyhodl.com, and uh, this is written by Daily Hodl staff, so I can't properly attribute the author. March 4th, 2019, as political tensions rise to all-time highs, Venezuela is launching a government-sanctioned cryptocurrency remittance service. The platform will allow users to send Bitcoin and Litecoin. What happened to the Petro? Guys, I mean, isn't wasn't the Petro supposed to whatever? I clearly for remittance, nobody outside of Venezuela apparently is interested in buying the Petro, so it doesn't make sense for remittance since nobody outside of Venezuela has it, so they can't really send it. It's because nobody 
really cares about the Petro. Moving on, the Remesis platform, a new service from the country's Patricia platform, is designed to guarantee financial inclusion along with the social protection of the people of Venezuela. God, just reading that hurts, man. Because you know they don't give a shit. That's fairly clear. Uh, Its launch coincides with the country's uh, humanitarian crisis. Venezuelans are suffering daily from U.S. sanctions, political unrest, violent protest, economic collapse, and hyperinflation of the country's embattled President Nicolas Maduro rejects convoys filled with food and medical aid from the U.S., which recognizes opposition leader Juan Guaido as Venezuela's self-proclaimed interim president. The Bitcoin remittance platform is another attempt by Maduro to beat U.S. sanctions and thwart the opposition. Run by Patria, the new service is controlled by the country's crypto regulator, Superintendency, of crypto assets and related activities, Sunacrip. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Under the leadership of Maduro. It will establish a monthly limit. Oh, God, it just, uh, every every sentence of this is just fraught with difficulty. I mean, the daily limit, okay. Well, you might as well not even do it. Or monthly limit, whatever. You, you might as well not even do it. Because that limit could be God knows what. Uh, eh. Anyway, according to Patria, Remesis is a service of the Patria platform that allows you to send remittances to Venezuela in cryptocurrencies. The resources sent will be available in so- sovereign boulevards in the Monedero Patria as soon as the transfer is confirmed. The service will apply a fluctuating commission updated daily. Patria also explains that the service may be disabled at any time, depending on the availability of funds in boulevards. Critics point out that users on popular peer-to-peer platform, local bitcoins, where trading volumes in Venezuela have reached an all-time high, already have the ability to send bitcoin and litecoin at a significantly cheaper rate. In February, official gazette number 41.581 published the country's new crypto regulations, which impose up to 15% fees on crypto remittance transactions. The government also introduced monthly caps on transactions of roughly $600 US, with an increase to $3,000 if further authorization is granted. Some features of the platform also raise concerns about government led centralization. Users are expected to record their data on the platform and recipients of the cryptocurrency may be notified through a text message. Quote, the remittance is made in four simple steps. One, record of the data of the person who remits it. Two, define the cryptocurrency to use and agree to the amount to send. Three, then an address will be shown to make the transfer. And finally, four, the identifier hash of the operation will be placed. When confirming the operation, the recipient or recipients will be notified through a text message in quote. Quote, there is a maximum amount to be received monthly due to remittances, which is why additional attention must be paid to the amount that is transferred and must coincide with the amount agreed in the second step of the remittance process. 
The central bank of Venezuela could play a significant role in determining prices of cryptocurrencies on the platform. Quote, for the remittance, the system will apply the official rate issued by the central bank of Venezuela, DICOM rate, for the day in which the operation is carried out and will apply a commission that can range from the equivalent of 0.25 euros to 15% of the total amount in bolivars. As Maduro employs different strategies to maintain power, his critics accuse him of genocide. Newly released footage on Twitter shows blood in the streets as horrific conflicts continue. Ay, ay, ay. Opposition leader Guaido returns today to Venezuela after meeting with government leaders and supporters throughout South America. <clears throat> as Maduro attempts to use Bitcoin and Litecoin to create a parallel payment rail, Venezuelans who are combating the collapse of their local currency or using cryptocurrencies via decentralized platforms not under government control. Trading of boulevards on local bitcoins, for example, has reached a new record high at $25.1 billion for the week, ending March 2nd, 2019. And that, uh, according to the weekly local bitcoins volume chart that they provide, uh, does indeed confirm that that looks it looks like a, a yet another all-time high, which we used to bandy about all the time when crypto was or Bitcoin was going through the roof. Wow, that is just it, this is impossible, people. This is this is just this may very well be one of the best illustrations of how a government doesn't understand just how they're being undermined. Um, the Petro didn't, Petro clearly is not working. Uh, nobody seems to really care. Even those people in, in Venezuela, uh, I, I heard reports that people are being forced to take their payment, like government workers are forced to be uh, taking payment in Petro's, but I don't know. I'm not there, so I can't really confirm any of that. Uh, but this, I mean, these statements from the government is just, Guarantee, I love this one, guarantee financial inclusion along with the social protection of the people of Venezuela. And then like right down, you know, right down after that, they start talking about how they're going to put limits on it. Okay. I, the, I would not touch the Patria platform as a Venezuelan uh, for all the gold or all the tea in China. This thing, this thing looks like it's a train wreck that hasn't even happened moved out onto the rails yet. It's already, it's all, it, it is already demonstrating just how much these people don't get it. It's, it's, God, it's really sad. You know, they're going to, Patria explains that the service may be disabled at any time. I mean, what the hell is that? That's not a service. Something that can be, dis, can be, Disabled at any given time is exactly what we've been trying to get away from. That's, well, one of the things that we've been trying to get away from. Um, so, no, this is a complete, this is going to be a complete fail. Uh, I'm calling it now. This is a complete fail. It's not going to happen. Uh, it'll happen, but nobody's going nobody's to care. So, whatever. And move, moving on back up into uh, the stack, we start in with some Coinbase stuff. And so now, as most of you, you guys know, Coinbase has now effectively fired 
anybody that had a background with uh, the hacking, uh, the hacking group, or the, I'm sorry, the hacking team from the newly acquired uh, stack of uh, uh, employees they got from from Neutrino. Um, let's start just parsing this out. This one is from CoinDesk.com. This is from Wolfie Zhao, March 5th, 2019. Coinbase is parting ways with several employees from Neutrino following widespread criticism over the crypto exchange's acquisition of the blockchain analytics firm. CEO Brian Armstrong announced in a blog post on Monday that Coinbase and Neutrino have decided that they will let go Neutrino employees who previously worked for Hacking Team, whether or not they still have any current affiliation with that company. It's unclear exactly how many of Neutrino's employees had worked for Hacking Team, except for the three senior executives listed on the blockchain sleuthing startup website, CEO Giancarlo Russo, CTO Alberto Orgnani, and CRO Marco Valeri. The announcement came after widespread criticism of Coinbase decision to buy Neutrino, which was revealed on February the 19th. Since then, a campaign encouraging, encouraging Coinbase users to delete their accounts has been raging on Twitter due to the fact that Neutrino's top management had led projects for Hacking Team, a startup that aided governments known for human rights abuses. Armstrong said in the post on Monday, We had a gap in our diligence process. While we looked hard at the technology and security of the Neutrino product, we did not properly evaluate everything from the perspective of our mission and values as a crypto company. As a solution, he concluded, quote, Those who previously worked at Hacking Team, despite the fact that they have no current affiliation with Hacking Team, will transition out of Coinbase. This was not an easy decision, but their prior work does present a conflict with our mission. Okay. So, while it is not, uh, while it's not at all unusual for a company to acquire another company and let go of some, you know, some of the employees because there may be, I don't know, management overlap, you know, basic job description overlap. Um, you know, I get that, but this one is like, no, you're, you're not being, you're not being let go (laughs) because we have overlap. No, this, this seems to me like they were going to do it anyway. They were going to let these people go anyway. Not clearly not the CEO, CTO and CRO, but anybody else. They were going to let some people go. I I tend to think that this is sort of like a useful idiot type thing going on where they were going to do something anyway, but now they've they've wrapped that decision into this appeasement offering to uh, the crypto community that were that are rightfully outraged at the acquisition of data terrorists, which these people are. <clears throat> so, really, after look, you know, after looking at this and a few other things, th- th- Brian's saying nothing to me. He's not he's not assuaged any he's not assuaged any of any of the things that I feel. Um, this is, uh, this is just, God, I mean, this is actually really terrible management. In either event, uh, these people supposedly are going to be let go, uh, but 
hold you know just hold on to that thought we're probably going to come back uh back to that in a minute with uh Jonas Schnelly but first crypto sumer says uh it never shared personally identifiable customer data so let's uh let's run into this one Coinbase now says it never shared personally identifiable customer data. Again, from CryptoSumer, March 5th, 2019, Coinbase is taking steps to clarify statements made in the wake of its controversial acquisition of blockchain analytics firm Neutrino, a startup subsequently linked to Hacking Team, a startup that aided governments for known human rights abuses. Specifically, Christine Sandler, Coinbase's Director of Institutional Sales, justified the Neutrino acquisition during an interview with Cheddar last Friday by saying the exchange's previous analytics provider was selling client data to outside sources. Coinbase now says Sandler misspoke. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she did. A spokesperson told Coindesk Tuesday that the exchange never shared our customers' personally identifiable information with any third-party blockchain analysis vendors. Although Coinbase declined to specify which former partner Sandler was referencing or what type of data was being commercialized in ways it objected to, it's important to note that blockchain analytics companies sell aggregate wallet data without names or identifying personal information as their core proprietary product. The standard norm across the industry is for analytics providers to collect anonymous transaction data and commercialize access to that information for customers seeking to investigate suspicious activity. For example, Chainalysis co-founder Jonathan Levin explained to Coindesk that firms often receive wallet and transaction information without names or other account information and use it to help customers across the ecosystem identify bad actors. He said they do not receive personal customer data and never sell data to external customers. Prove it. Sorry, that was me. The competing analytics firm Ecliptic, or I'm sorry, Elliptic, confirmed in a blog post that it worked with Coinbase and wasn't provided with any personally identifiable information about their users. It did provide other exchanges and clients with addresses and transactions associated with financial crimes, according to the blog post. Although the question of whether Coinbase would adopt a similar model or look to other ways to monetize user data after its acquisition of Neutrino was arguably ambiguous. During an interview in Friday, February, Coinbase's Director of Engineering and Product, Varun, uh, there's no hope for me saying this dude's name, Srinivasan, okay, I'm just going to leave it there, said that the Neutrino team would continue serving external customers turning other companies' transactions data into proprietary Coinbase offering. A Coinbase spokesperson told Coindesk on Tuesday that it will not share broad sets of transaction and address information with vendors if it is beyond their immediate scope of work as part of any offering. The statements follow Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong's blog post on Monday in which he said that the company intends to transition out Neutrino employees with associated hacking team roots. Speaking to the widespread backlash over the news, former Coinbase user Eduardo Hernandez, CEO of the investment startup Cryptico, told Coindesk, quote, the lack of transparency is terrifying. You damn skippy it is. 
While it's unclear how many users have left the exchange, Hernandez is one out of five former Coinbase users who told Coindesk they closed their account after the Neutrino acquisition. He said Armstrong's blog, blog post lacked accountability since the post emphasized the hacking team co-founders have, quote, no current affiliation with a controversial software provider. Another former Coinbase user who goes by his Twitter handle, at LowBTC, told Coindesk he is concerned about his personal data becoming coin because Coinbase has a track record of allegedly failing to punish misbehaving employees, referred to an ongoing lawsuit in California that claims exchange employees engaged in insider trading. Fortune reported an internal investigation of the alleged insider trading at Coinbase concluded without any repercussions because leadership asserted no wrongdoing took place. Man, that must be nice. Yeah, no, we're cool. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then our investigation is closed. God, that must be awesome. Speaking to that broader context, at LowBTC, who opened his Coinbase account in 2013 and promptly it and promptly closed it after the neutrino acquisition said, quote, on top of the ethical failure, I also consider this a massive security risk, letting those people have access to customer data. It's really frightening to think who has gained access to Coinbase customer data over the years. And that's going to do it for that. So let's finish this up with Jonas Schnelli, who says, don't get fooled. Employment is just one fir- form how to work for a company. And during an acquisition of a company, not an important one. Very likely, the, quote, fired individuals continue to work as contractors, advisors, or just shareholders doing a favor. And he's not lying. Um, he's referring to the, the, uh, the same thing that, we ju- that I just read you. But there's a, there's a whole lot of meat in that. Um, it's probably, he's probably 100% correct because the CEO, CTO, and CRO are not going to go, you know, just blindly into that good night without any fight, without anything. That's not going to happen. That could vary. I mean, there's no reason in the world that they wouldn't be able to have lawsuits against Coinbase immediately for not disclosing intent. It, I mean, all manner of stuff could come up from that by just immediately letting these people go because a whole bunch of people on Twitter got pissed. I mean, the whole that deal had been in the works for a while. It's an acquisition deal. So the chances of them not jettisoning jettisoning out of their positions without some kind of either massive, massive payout or more likely some kind of hooks back into Coinbase, I think is unlikely. I think they, I I think uh, Jonas is right. I think they're going to end up being contractors and I, you know, how do you, how do you find information as to who is employing who is a contractor? You know, I mean, how much work does somebody, does an investigative journalist have to do to find out if Coinbase is still cutting checks to these people for, you know, X, Y, and Z services as private contractors, you know, or somebody who can just pick up a phone and talk to the people at Coinbase and say X, Y, and Z needs to happen 
and somehow or another they're listened to because of blind hooks back into the company. Uh, I, these people, in, in, in my estimation, these people are not at all going to be excised completely out of the, out of the loop. Uh, your data is not safe with Coinbase. That's just the way that, that's just the way that is. Um, let's see. Uh, Larry Bitcoin has apparently released AB, AB Core. And AB Core is an Android app designed to make it easier to run a Bitcoin Core node on Android appliances such as set-top boxes or repurposed tablets and phones. The app requires various gigabytes of disk space and is not meant to run on a 3G or 3G or 4G networks as is potential as it potentially downloads uploads gigabytes of data. Root is not required. So, yeah, I mean that that would be that would be like really nice to just be able to run a full node, you know, back in the on some repurposed, you know, iPad or something like that that has enough, you know, has enough data to be able to to store the uh, store all the data. Um, so it's, you know, the, the whole thing about, oh, the, you know, running a core node is, is, um, is too onerous is not becoming as onerous as it was. I mean, like back in the day, it was really easy to run it because the, the blockchain itself was small enough. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, the whole lot of transactions so that the, uh, data throughput wasn't all that, you know, big of a deal. It wasn't going to crush your, you know, your, your data plan with your phone company. Now it is a little bit different, uh, because the amount of transactions have increased drastically over the years, but you know, these strides are still being made. You know, now you've got, if it, if it's got Android operating system on it and, you know, you're not using it for anything else, might as well throw a full note on it. So that's pretty cool. Larry Bitcoin, man. Nice. <clears throat> uh, John Carvalho <laughs> has some, uh, he's got some words to say about, uh, BlockFi. Now I don't, I, I, I don't know anything good or bad about BlockFi. Okay. Uh, as, as a company that, you know, they, they make loans and they hold your, you know, cryptocurrency as, as collateral so that you don't actually have to spend it and throw it into fiat. Um, it's, you know, it's a lending platform, which I, I think is actually pretty cool. And, you know, for a lot of people, damn necessary, but there's, um, there's kind of an issue here. John says, I've been in crypto for more than six years now and promising interest has never been a good sign run. So what's John talking about? Uh, the real BlockFi is launching a Bitcoin and Ether deposit account today where you can get paid 6% annual interest compounding monthly paid in cryptocurrency. Well, John Carvalho, and this uh, his Twitter handle is uh, Bitcoin Error Log, uh, has highlighted a few things about uh, BlockFi's uh, statement, specifically about how interest is calculated. So that that six percent interest, um, the highlighted portions read, and this is from BlockFi's, you know, how interest is calculated. We will determine the interest rate for each month in our sole discretion. Okay, that kind of sounds like the 
the whole Venezuela thing where they can just shut down the service at will or, you know, arbitrarily define how much the uh, uh, percentage of their take they're going to make off remittances. This reads sort of in the same vein. Moving on, BlockFi and our third-party partners may experience cyber attacks, extreme market conditions, or other operational or technical difficulties, which could result in the immediate halt of deposits and withdrawals of cryptocurrency, either temporarily or permanently. God, that's kind of scary, guys. BlockFi is not and will not be responsible or liable for any loss or damage of any sort incurred by you as a result of such cyber attacks, operational or technical difficulties, or suspensions of deposits uh, or withdrawals. Risk disclosure. Your crypto asset or your crypto interest account is not a checking or savings account, and it is not covered by insurance against losses. We will lend, sell, pledge, rehypothecate, assign, invest, use, commingle, or otherwise dispose of funds and cryptocurrency assets to counterparties, and we will use our commercial best efforts to prevent losses. Uh, any bond or trust account maintained by BlockFi for the benefit of its customers may not be sufficient to cover all losses incurred by customers. In light of these risks, you should carefully consider whether holding cryptocurrency is suitable for you. Uh, that's a lot that, yeah, that's a lot of scary language. And I, I get where, uh, where John's coming from because, you know, you read stuff like that and it's like, yikes, but you know, on, on the other side of it, it could simply be a wide blanket, cover your ass statement. Uh, they're made all the time. I mean, read my God, read any, you know, end user license agreement from a piece of software like Adobe or something like that. And uh, there's all manner of, of statements that are, they're always CYA statements. <clears throat> now, as to whether or not these statements translate into something that, that says run as fast as you can, I don't know. Um, but it, anyway, it is there. And, you know, I just figured that you guys might, might want to see that. And last up in the stack is Kevin, Kevin Rook at... K-E-R-O-O-K-E on Twitter. And he says, three months ago, at Tippin underscore me went live. Since then, there have been 15,000 tips sent, 14,000 signups, 4,000 browser extensions installed, 559 channels connected to it, $30,000 USD of potential transaction capacity added to those channels. So the whole tipping me thing is blowing up, man. And there's a, a there's a, a dot graph here of all the nodes that are connected, and it's it's uh it's a thing of beauty unless you're somebody who doesn't like lightning, and then you just go, oh my god, hub and spoke, hub and spoke, hub and spoke. I whatever is I I I doubt tipping me is going to be the one node that takes down the entire lightning network. So I'm not all that. I'm not all that upset, right? In either event, tipping me, blowing up, man. And tipping me is a lot of fun if you haven't used it. Uh, go check them out. Twitter is at tippin, T-I-P-P-I-N underscore me, M-E. So there you have it. That's going to do it for your morning roundup. You 
Your vital statistics are brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. And we've apparently we've we've gone back. We've made whatever loss that I was talking about on Monday has been covered and and then some uh starting this morning. So uh, tipping or not tipping, sorry. Uh, Bitcoin bitinfocharts.com has Bitcoin at an average of 3,865. The high is going to be over at Bitfinex at 3,948, and the low is going to be over at GDAX at 3,848. Yeah, about a hundred dollar difference. Uh, 263,000 transactions have been made over the last 24 hours with an average per hour of 10,900 transactions. 1.4 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with an average per hour of 61.6 or 61,600. Average transaction value is 5.6 BTC. Median transaction value is back up, man. Nice. 0.07 at about $280 USD. Block time is a little long at 10 minutes, 55 seconds. The reward or the uh, fees per block, it looks like it's 0.24 BTC. And the rewards over the last 20 or the uh, uh, fees over the last 24 hours is 32 B or 24 hours is 32 BTC. Hash rate has gained 6.21% over the last 24 hours and is up at 43 exahashes a second. And the last GitHub commit was yesterday, the 5th of March. Across the boards, Ethereum 138, Litecoin 55, Bcash 130, BSV 65, Ethereum Classic 4.25, and Dogecoin is back to 0.002. And as usual, at 26,673 transactions over the last 24 hours, the joke coin Doge, and I don't really call it a joke, I love Doge, but the history is, is that Doge was kind of done as a as a joke in either event, however you want to look at Doge, Doge is smoking the living daylights out of the transactions of Bcash plus the transactions of BSV over the last 24 hours. There looks like between the two of them, they've got 16 and a half thousand and Doge is at 26,000. So more people are using the Doge chain than the two clown chains. And that's going to do it for vital statistics for the day. Marty's Bent for Tuesday, March the 5th, 2019, issue number 433, Protect Your Neck, Keep Bitcoin Companies in Check. First thing up, he's got a tweet from Nick Carter that says, No Bitcoin business is above criticism, no matter what their track record is or how much they've helped the industry historically. Skepticism and criticism is what keeps these institutions from misbehaving, and that's from Nick Carter. You can find him at... N-I-C double underscore Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R. Marty has to say this. As some of you freaks may know by now, Coinbase has been going through a bit of a PR debacle over the course of the last few weeks after the announcement of their acquisition of Neutrino, a chain analysis company with a few ex-hacking team members on board. For those of you who do not recall, the hacking team is notorious for their support of fascist regimes 
helping them locate Spion and eventually silence dissidents. Not a terribly good look for Coinbase, considering they are supposed to be arbiters of Bitcoin, a protocol designed to work for the very dissidents the hacking team was targeting. If you're looking for a thorough analysis of the terrible things hacking team has done in the past, check out this thread from our friend Janine on the subject. While this is just another incident in a, incident in a long string of brutal PR blunders for Coinbase over the years, I am highlighting it today not to add fuel to the fire currently engulfing the aimless crypto exchange, but to highlight the fact that, as Bitcoiners, it is imperative that we heap warranted criticisms on the companies that account for a material amount of economic activity on the network. In reaction to the delete Coinbase movement of Twitter that ensued after news of the hacking team acquisition, Brian Armstrong was forced to reevaluate and cut the ex-hacking team members loose as the success of their resumes or <clears throat> as uh, sorry, as the success of their resumes is anathema to the inherent principle of freedom and liberty embedded in Bitcoin. Principled humans who were driven to act and attempt to enact change by voicing their displeasure in a public forum like Twitter were successful in assuring that the companies they decide to interact with uphold their values. While I still don't trust Coinbase as far as I can throw them, this particular example of reacting to public outcry is a good sign of the overall health of Bitcoin, whose social layer demands never-ending vigilance against the gravitational pull of centralization. Don't ever let someone tell you to take it easy on the companies with economic clout and Bitcoin. This mission is bigger than any one individual or company. Ideally, exchanges only serve as a temporary necessity as we transition to a closed-loop system built on a Bitcoin economy. In my opinion, their job is to provide the simplest way to acquire BTC and eventually send it to personal storage after having become educated about private key management. On top of this... They should be wise and efficient with their on-chain transaction strategies as they have a material effect on the fee market. Simply provide on-off ramps that spy as little as possible on their users, being responsible with their Bitcoin usage at scale, and aiding the world as we transition into an information age with a native sound digital currency. The only way we can make this a reality is if we all will it into existence. If we speak up and fight for what we know is right, protect your necks, freak. Speak up. Final thought, Bryant Lacrosse out to a 2-3 start this season. Not the best start, but confident the Bulldogs can turn it around. And that's going to do it for Marty's Bent. You can find Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter. And that's going to do it for his Bent for the day. Torchlight uh, is pretty cool today. Pretty cool. Let's get into this one. Um, let's start with, a, there was a, a tweet for that uh, pro- cropped up in the LN Trust Chain hashtag, and it's uh, from crypto sh- or Crypt Sheets, at C-R-Y-P-T-S-H-E-E-T-S, Crypt Sheets. Lightning Network growth in last 30 days. When something compounds at 20% per month, it gets very big, very fast. Don't risk ignoring it. Node count, 7,045, which is a 19.3% increase. Channel count, 32,010. 
a 38, 38% increase. Network capacity, 2,900,000, an 18% increase over the last month. So Lightning Network seems as healthy as a horse. Hodelnot has a tweet out that says the LN trust chain ends when we reach 4.29 megasatoshis. That means there are 52 spots left on the chain as of now. The torch will then be donated to at BTCVEN along with this fundraiser. And he gives a, he gives a, a tally coin uh, link to uh, the side fundraiser that he's got going on because 4.29 mega Satoshis, I think, I can't remember what, it's like a couple of hundred bucks, something like that. And uh, anyway, is that he, he has started a, a, a tally coin uh, fundraiser to go alongside with it, which will also be, uh, as far as I know, will also be donated to BTCVEN, which is a, uh, a group of people that are uh, working towards trying to help the Venezuelans as, as much and in as many ways as they possibly can. Uh, good cause there. So um, next up is where the, uh, where, so where is the torch? So apparently uh, Peter Woola got the torch and has passed it to at Leishman. And the next invoice uh, was gonna, is going to be for 3.79 mega Satoshis. And he's got a, a tweet basically where uh, Peter, uh, Peter Woola is sending the torch to Leishman. So that's who has the torch. Uh, as he says, uh, there are 52 spots left in the chain, and that was as of six hours ago. So there may be, you know, there may be time. There may be time. Um, as the torch gets bigger, it seems to kind of slow down a little bit, but we should not, uh, we should not not be looking at where the torch is and, and what it's doing. It's, uh, I think it, I, I think it's important anyway, that's going to do it for Torchlight. Daily Train Wrecked is another twofer. Uh, this one, first one's brought to you by Roger Caver again. Oh boy. Uh, it looks like Roger's hooked another one. Let's, uh, get into this. This is a Reddit post from, uh, looks like break 13380. Yeah. 1338. Poor break says, First time using Bitcoin. I'm supposed to get money to my Bitcoin wallet, but I don't see money after one hour. The So he goes on, hello, I'm using BTC for the first time, and I'm supposed to get money to my BTC wallet after one hour and 12 confirmations. I see nothing in my wallet. Is this normal? And he gives a link to uh, blockchain.com. Um, it says here is the blockchain is it 100% sure I get my money at some point? And then he gives a link to a picture of his wallet. Oh, God. This is the address I gave to the guy who paid me 13 confirmations. Now this is big money. I'm getting worried what's going on. Well, if you scroll or if you go to the links, um, you come to the conclusion, which is best summed up in the following exchange. 
from Gonzabon, uh, who write, who's replying back to Brake and says, while this is a post about an altcoin, we're going to leave it up because it is educational. Sorry, original poster, you got scammed by BCH and company. Gonzabon continues by saying BCH is a scam. BCH is not Bitcoin. And then there's another person that replies that says, I'm sorry, but this is a Bcash wallet, not Bitcoin. This is Roger Ver's effing fault. Thank him. As you can see on that screenshot, you have zero BCH balance. Break writes back and says, what? And then uh, this person writes, replies back to him and says, Bcash is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is BTC. Bitcoin Cash is BCH. This might sound stupid, but Bitcoin is like dollar and BCH is Hong Kong dollar. Different thing, same symbol. It has nothing to do with cash. So for any newbies, you know, walking around this podcast, this happens a lot. Uh, And one of the reasons is is because Roger Ver is sort of the CEO of Bitcoin Cash which he will say he's not, but whatever it, 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 it's all from, this is the Bitcoin cash fork all happened because of Roger. Um, and Roger owns the URL, bitcoin.com has owned it forever and ever. You know, he, he, he was the one that, that bought it, uh, straight up when he first got into Bitcoin because he, you know, at the time he, he knew what Bitcoin was, uh, botbitcoin.com, they have a wallet. And in anyway, it's, it's now it's becoming, oh, it, this isn't unusual. Uh, I, I say it, I, I give y'all this here as a reminder that if you send somebody BTC and you send it to a BCH wallet, it's probably gone. You won't get it back. And the person holding the BCH wallet won't get it because BTC or Bitcoin is not BCH, otherwise known as Bitcoin Cash, also known as BAB as a ticker symbol on some some exchanges, but they are not the same. And because they are not the same, they are not interchangeable. And because they are not interchangeable, if you send BTC to a BCH wallet or vice versa, neither the, you know, through the tween shall meet. It's just, so this guy... It goes on. It actually gets uh, gets fairly sad. I'm I'm glad that he didn't say exactly how much money you know in in fiat terms were you know were at stake. But um, when he says a lot of money, I, I assume it doesn't matter how much money it is to anybody else. It's a lot of money to him, and it looks like it's gone. So <laughs> thanks, Roger, for scamming some other poor dweeb out of their money by confusing the brands. Anyway, so the next train wreck is brought to you by Peter Risen, who says in a tweet, the Lightning Network will be remembered as the greatest boondoggle in cryptocurrency history. 
repeat, the only boondoggle around these parts is Craig Wright scamming Gavin Andreessen into thinking that he was actually the real Satoshi. That's the only boondoggle that there is. Lightning Network, as we heard earlier in the show, is doing just fine. It's just fine, Pete. Just fine. So those are your two train wrecks for the day. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Bad Joke Cat at Bad Joke Cat. There's a gang going through our town systematically shoplifting clothes in size order. The police believe they're still at large. Uh, I'm just going to leave that one there. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. Okay, I'm out. Um, interesting, interesting week so far. Uh, 2% dip, then a 2% rise, which gives us the shape of an inverted BART. Not really, it's kind of more like an inverted Marge, but in either event, it's these weird tumbles and, and rises that uh, clearly demonstrate that there are some whales splashing around in the water and they're doing what they can. Try not to get freaked out. Try, you know, try not to get spooked. You know, this this kind of thing has been happening all over the place. Uh, but it's, you know, when you've been in the bear market for as long as we have, anything that that represents these drops or whatever uh, can scare the living crap out of somebody. You know, make you empty your uh, cold wallet storage and and take it somewhere and and try to convert it into fiat. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. If you need it, hell, you know, there's no reason not to if you need it. But if you don't, if you can survive without it, let's just see where this thing rolls out to, man. You know, I mean, Starbucks taking, eventually taking Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. I mean, the, the genie is never going to go back into the bottle. Um, and... Uh, I was just, just, I'm sorry. I, I was just remembering the, the exchange between, uh, Francis Coppola and, and, uh, Eric Lombroso, which is pretty sad. And I guess, I guess maybe I had that in the stack for today's, uh, stuff, but you know, I, I don't know. I just, I decided not to do it, but I think maybe we should probably talk at the end of the show just a little bit about how people like Francis, how they operate and, um, well, yeah, how, how they operate. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a couple of days ago, Francis Coppola tried to trash Jack Mallers. Now I covered part of this in, in uh, Monday show, but it got so much worse so fast after the show that I had put them put a couple of these tweets up in the stack. But um, one of the things about this is, is that it appears that at one point or another, Eric Lombroso engaged in this discussion 
And for those of you who don't know Eric Lombroso, he's been in the space for a long, 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 long time. He's got the blue check mark on his Twitter account. He's got lots of followers. He's, you know, some people listen to him in the industry. And let me just give you this exchange so that you can kind of see where Francis is going off the rails here. And I'm going to, let me see, I'm going to start. Well, let, let me just start here. Uh, this is midway. This is midway through. Eric is kind of neat, you know, waist deep in this, in this swamp with, with Francis. And uh, she's kind of like getting at this point, she's getting defensive. So Eric says, I'm not claiming to know exactly what you were experiencing. And yes, women probably need to be a little more careful with online strangers than men. But who the hell knows who these people are? And even if I wanted to, I could never hope to police such a thing. You see the same phenomenon everywhere on social media, regardless of topic. It isn't too hard to rouse an angry mob up, but none of this has actual teeth. Very rare is the actual online stranger who is actually a threat. Francis replies, How dare you? You know nothing. Women have been driven off Twitter by this sort of behavior. They have lost their jobs, their relationships, their mental health. I have personally received death threats from Twitter mobs. Your community's behavior is wrong. Tell them to stop. Eric responds, My community... There are fringe folks passionate about practically anything you can think of. And yes, some of these people use Bitcoin. It costs nothing to create an online account. Someone can even create many accounts to appear like they are many people. Francis responds, oh yes, fringe people. So you can pretend it's not your precious community that is behaving appallingly. This won't do, Eric. The fact is that your community is behaving badly. Call it out. Udi Wertheimer weighs in, you know that Eric isn't the CEO of Bitcoin, right? (laughs) Francis responds, he's an influential person in the community. He can call them out for their behavior. He is choosing to blame me instead. That is what cult leaders do. Eric responds, no, I'm telling you that calling them out is futile because nobody even knows who they are. And people will continue to do this sort of thing, Bitcoin or no Bitcoin. Unless they physically threaten you, I suggest you just ignore them. Francis responds, you are an influential member of the Bitcoin community. You have over 70,000 followers. You can call them out, in all caps. It is absolutely disgraceful that you endorse their appalling behavior. If you continue to validate and endorse their sickening behavior, you are nothing more than a mob master. And Eric responds, here you go. And links to one of his tweets that says, um, random strangers on the internet. If you could stop calling Francis names, it would be super. Francis responds with muted. Now, okay, so that's the end of that exchange. What is it about that? Well, for Francis to look at one person as somebody who can do X with getting people to stop digging into Francis's sides or getting it under her skin is, uh, is indicative of the ridiculous nature of the old guard. 
and how they respond to everything that's going on around them today. Uh, nobody's going to be able to stop anybody behaving badly on Twitter. Nobody's going to be able to stop anybody. I mean, behaving badly in so far as, yeah, if you're making death threats, yeah, you know, Jack's going to cut you off. I don't really like that because free speech and all, but they're, you know, it's his company. It's a private company and do whatever the hell he wants. And I, and I get that, that I get, you know, that people will give me backlash for that, but I can't do anything about it. Like Eric can't do anything about the, the, his community. Apparently we all belong to Eric, which Eric knows that that's BS. And he was trying to impart that to Francis, but Francis is unable to recognize that she is not in Kansas anymore. None of us are. Hell, we haven't been in Kansas for a long, long, long time. And I think most of us can agree on that. We are 25 years into the information age, and this is about the time that the tide starts to turn. Um, because it's like, oh, we're in the information age. Well, when you said that five years ago, yeah, we're in the information age, but we're not, everything seems the same. Things are no longer the same. And Francis is unable to cope with the fact that she does not live in a farmhouse in Kansas anymore, that she's off in La La Land, and she's trying to figure out all the midgets walking around with lollipops singing to her. And she just looks at that as, oh my God, they're attacking me. And Eric tried his best. He really did to get her to understand that she doesn't exist in the world that she thinks she exists in. She exists in a completely separate world. And she does. All of us do. Um, the whole thing about the, the Francis uh, rant that started with her trying to trash Jack Mallers by, you know, say you, he you, or she used Jack Mal, one of Jack Mallers tweets after he got back from Hong Kong to suggest that Bitcoin was a cult. And we've, we've all heard that before. Whooped freaking the, the United States dollar is a cult. When you get right down to it, people defend it with actual weaponry. How cult like is that in either event, just remembering. Okay. So remember this, this where she's begging Eric almost on her knees, begging Eric to please make the bad people go away. I want, to make sure that you all know about this tweet in that in her same rant, but not not the one that was made to Eric. This is one that was uh, this was one that was way up in the in the thread. But it's the same thread of her using Jack Mallers to call Bitcoin a cult, and somebody says, I, or re, she says Bitcoin is a cult, and is a retweet of Jack Mallers, uh, one of his tweets that that he sent out as a chain of six when he got back from Hong Kong or China or wherever it was that he was. And this gentleman says, I like it better when you're trolling the Ripplers. And she says, I've been trolling Bitcoiners for years. Ripplers make a change. Now she was the train wrecked on Monday. She was one of them. And that was the tweet that was the train wrecked. But now the context has changed, right? Because she's, she's actively admitting that she's been trolling Bitcoiners for years. Trolling. Trolling. So finally she got, apparently she got her fill of being trolled back. And the, the absolute reaction of the people that, um, <laughs> the reaction of the people that are just tired of her weighing into this crap. 
and made her feel it. So here she is saying that she's actively trolling Bitcoiners. She gets a mouthful of shit from it. And then she goes begging Eric Lombroso to make the bad people go away. At this point, I just don't see her having any credibility left. So we no longer have to worry about Francis Coppola and her misunderstanding of pretty much everything. Because after she says that she's trolling Bitcoiners, gets shit on for it, and then begs for help, to me, I, I, I no longer have to worry about a single thing that she says because she's clearly so far out of her depth that, well, she's ineffectual at this point. So anyway, there's a, you might consider muting, uh, muting, uh, Francis, uh, so that you're not, uh, you don't somehow or another get caught up in, in whatever shenanigans that she decides to start. Um, you know, at this point, just, you know, as, as, as a spokesperson from my community, I, I, I implore you all to stop being mean to Francis Coppola. With that, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.